I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. In hour 20, you love to watch it. Tight hour 20. Perfect length for a movie. It really is. I'm not being facetious. You sound like you're making it. I know. I know I do. But, but I you're not funny. Genuinely. No, yeah, number one, I'm not funny. <laughs> number two, I am serious. Okay, we're watching Chronicle. Chronicle. 2012. Directed by Josh Trank. Why is this movie called Chronicle number one? Well, I just realized that question because I didn't think about it once during the movie. Molly asked this right before we started recording, and I realized. I was like, I don't know what Chronicle means. Is that like the power that they can do? Chronicle is like, like I, I don't know. I guess I've always heard it like in other names, like Chronicles of Narnia, of course. Um, Chronicle oh, is Oh, because he's like chronicling the whole thing in video. A Chronicle, yeah. So one, the noun is a factual written account of importance or historical events in order of their occurrence. And to chronicle something is to record that series of events in a factual and detailed way. So we're following Andrew chronicling that makes their sense. their journey. I kind of got there. Yeah. Um, found footage film. Yeah, first one that we've done for the show, and maybe last. I don't. This is not that. It's more of a horror movie trope. Yeah, um, it's definitely a horror movie trope. Um, typically, not a big found footage gal myself, but I really liked it. Agreed. I think that, um, I mean, there's there's so many reasons that I think this, but Josh Trank choosing to use found footage as the medium for this, I think elevated the movie. I think if it had been shot normally, uh, it, it would have been, been boring. It would have been fine, but it would have lost a lot of the personality that it has. And I did see some folks that, I was actually like on a release thread on Reddit for Chronicle, like, a decade ago, maybe a little longer, because this movie's like 11 years old at this point. And some people are like, I don't get it. Like, I don't know, the found footage thing is like kind of corny. And while I agree that like doing a movie entirely in found footage, well, almost entirely in found footage, because we do cut away at certain points in this. Very rarely. rarely. Or they use the other girl's footage. Yeah. But there's a couple times, like when, when he and her are talking like at the school, we have like them being, we see both of them on, on screen and it's not you know, with, in the, in the lens of another camera. But, um, so while there are moments where, you know, it's, I think in my opinion, it's hard to like, as an actor and as a screenwriter to organically deliver dialogue and especially like plot exposition in a found footage movie, because it, you know, you're, you're expecting the audience to have such a more like personal look at the cast. I think it's really difficult. So I, I do think there's like a, a few moments where that happens in Chronicle, but for the most part, I was really impressed with how it brings us close to the characters and how it let them play around with the cinematography, uh, especially later in the film. They start to get like a little more creative with which cameras yeah. we're viewing and you know how they're moving. Um. Yeah, I was, like, pleasantly surprised by this movie. Didn't know anything about it. Had never... Don't even remember seeing anything about it in 2012. I feel like 2012 was a weird time for movies. Well, when I think about movies in 2012... I think of the movie 2012. 
I do think in the movie 2012. But Never seen it. Oh, really? That was a not a very good movie. <laughs> but very much like, it's funny to think about that time. And, you know, if people were actually taking the doomsday seriously or not. I think Bridesmaids came out in, oh, no, that was 2011. Well, around that time, and I guess. And Toy Story 4. The, the benchmark <laughs> movie for Toy Story 3. No, that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, Avengers coming out in 2012 is like, you know, that's, that's my benchmark. That's a different 2012 to me. And quite honestly, like I'm trying to remember, um, anything else that I can think of off the top of my head that came out. Okay. Dark Knight Rises was also 2012. So I have my, my superhero movie benchmarks. Those Uh, don't feel like they came out in the same year. They don't. They're so drastically different. Like I love the first Avengers, but it feels so dated to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, a, it feels way older than 2012. Yeah, it does. I think we must have talked about that when we last watched it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really remember seeing promotion for this either. I'm frankly surprised that I didn't see this. Because you have a hard-on for Dwayne. Dwayne. Dane. Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan. I do like Dane DeHaan. But I didn't know who he was when this came out. This was, like, the first big thing that he was in. Well, didn't Amazing Spider-Man come out? That was... Well, he wasn't. Um, he wasn't in the first one, so that came out in 2012 as well. Amazing Spider-Man. So. Right, that's what I was saying. Yeah, um, I probably thought this was more of a horror movie. If I yeah. had to guess, if I had seen trailers for it or something, I which, bet the trailers were kind of shot in a spooky way. There's no way this movie had good trailers. Uh, speaking of the first Avengers movie, if you guys haven't gone back and watched the trailer for that recently, highly recommend it. If you want to realize how much better trailers have gotten in the past like 10 years it's pretty wild um up front we have an abusive dad and a dying mom it's just like not good for this kid no situation is bad and continuing to go even worse i didn't know how the like cards are gonna fall in this movie though i was like really along for the ride I, uh, I, I thought it was fairly predictable, like, where we were going to see Andrew going. But I did realize that, like, I had seen a couple of clips from this, like, on YouTube, just sporadically. Mostly the one where Andrew is, like, robbing the people with, like, his little tele- telepathic finger gun. So that kind of clued me in. But I didn't know what the fates of the other characters were or how, you know, they were going to interact or if any of them were going to go down like a villainous route too. I mean, because it was 2012, I figured that Michael B. Jordan was going to die first (laughs) as the only black character in the movie. You said that. And I was like, no, well, I I didn't really disagree, but I was like, I hope not. And then it was like, oh, all right. (laughs) Also, because he's like the trope, the nicest person. Yeah. Which I really loved how they handled his character. Yeah. Like a lesser movie would have made Steve an asshole. Or it would have revealed Steve to be an asshole. Right. But instead. Like that he was talking behind Andrew's back or something the whole time. Or like he did like he set him up at the talent show to to fuck with him. And instead we have Andrew interpreting it that way. Like because Andrew, you know, is, you know. He needs like some serious psychiatric help. Um, so yeah, anytime free that, powers, right? No, yeah, just p- 
period. So anytime something happens to him, he interprets it as, you know, of course, Steve is like laughing at him when Steve is just like, oh, man, this sucks. But like, let's go. But Andrew's interpreting that as like a that's like a personal betrayal. Um, He's giving like school shooter vibes. (laughs) Oh, that's 1000 percent what they were going for. And it doesn't help that like Dane DeHaan just looks like that. Um, it's, I, I think he has that, such um, a visceral look to him. He looks just permanently ill and, you Which know, works for I'm not trying to be too. mean to Dane DeHaan, but like, that's just, that's just how he looks. And I do think that has maybe impacted his, uh, his career because, you know, they tried to cast him, uh, him and Cara Delevingne as co-leads in that sci-fi movie um shit i can't remember what it's called it's like oh valerian in the city of a thousand planets and a a otter looking lead couple i could not imagine (laughs) i don't even know what that is it wasn't supposed to be very good but i remember the trailers for it it came out like six years ago or so um, I also wanted to say that, yes, I very much got, like, the school shooter vibes, and I was glad that they didn't, like, you know, go in that direction because, one, it would have been, like, unnecessary. Two, it would have been, like, even more predictable if they were, like, trying to do some sort of um, allegory. Right. But speaking of actors that have the school shooter vibes, there was another one. I think it was Ezra Miller. Um, Ezra Miller called, also has that vibe called "We Need to Talk About Kevin," where he is like that a is school shooter, that, yeah. yeah. And that's like similarly, you know, discounting all of the public Ezra Miller stuff because this was well before any of that. Also, just has that vibe, definitely. Um, to lighten the mood before it gets dark again, twenty twelve. Uh, little Molly in her car on the way to school was also singing along to Price Tag. <laughs> I actually don't really know that song. I like could have sang along with it, and I couldn't even tell you the name of the song. You had to look it up, but I was like, I know that song, and it was on my iPod. <laughs> of course. I don't think I knew a, a Jesse J song until like college. It was off my radar. Should we put in a clip? You and, you and Matt, you know, on the same wavelength. We also, if we're talking about actors, we need to talk about... Um, we need to talk about Kevin. Well, we need to talk about Matt. Doug. Whose name I don't... Is it Doug? No, I was talking about him. The dad. Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, the guy that played Matt, who I think is an Australian actor. He hasn't been in anything. His, his, I mean, Michael B. Jordan is really the only one of this group that is really, you know, had like a great career. Dean DeHaan has had a good career. He's He's been fine. Like, I mean, he was good in Oppenheimer, but, you know, he had a small part along with everybody else. But, like, honestly... What about Doug? That gap between... Well, yeah, him too. But, you know, you know what I mean. Michael B. Jordan was, like, on another level. Oh, I mean, he's been on another level his whole career. Yes. Although he did have kind of a slow point here, because this is also when he was on, like, Parenthood and stuff. Because it was, like, after The Wire, but before... I don't even know what kind of propelled him. I mean, obviously Creed, but... He was, like... No, I was going to say he was in one episode of Justified, but that was actually Chadwick Boseman. That was in one episode of Justified. Yeah, no, I, I do think that this um, served to elevate him more because I'm sure it was this. I mean, Fantastic then, Four. Sure. I mean, that I don't know if that helped or hurt. 
his career. He was already, I think at that point, must have already been like on, on He was already on my there. radar at that point. Yeah, yeah, me too. But I couldn't tell you why. Really? Um, you didn't even watch that movie. I didn't, but I remember when it came out. Uh, what else was I going to say before we really got into the the main plot? I kind of like took some time to write up an overall thoughts thing rather than just having bolded notes, which okay. helped me to articulate my thoughts. Um, we talked a lot about it being 2012. I suppose <laughs> I thought that this movie coming out then and relying on the found footage might make it age badly, um, but I was off the mark because I just feel like there was a time, which I guess they're still coming out, but there was like an era where there were a lot of shitty found footage horror movies. I'm sure like it, they were like, shot on like iPhones. Yeah, or not even. It was just like ones that were trying to ape the success of. I mean, they've all been chasing like paranormal the, activity. Well, I was gonna say they've all been chasing the high of um, the Blair Witch Project, but then I do think Paranormal Activity kicked it off. I remember like there was this one called like Apollo 14 that was really bad. Um, this one that took place in like the Paris catacombs. So I was just worried that it was going to be like really, really cheesy and corny and sacrifice like a good story for like try to do more like a horror superhero thing. Cause not a lot of, not a lot of movies have successfully pulled that off. There was another one recently called Brightburn that was not supposed to be very good, but I was happy that it wasn't. And I was happy that the cast was so good. Um, yeah, the other stuff I've already said about found footage holds true. But I also wanted to say, I, I talked about it when we were watching the movie. I used to watch this YouTube series called Marble Hornets, which was like a... Uh, it went on for like 70-something episodes about Slenderman. It was like one of the original Slenderman things. And... Bless their hearts. I loved that series. And those guys did, like, a really good job of doing horror on, like, a shoestring budget. But, like, all the things that I said could go wrong when you're doing found footage, like, happened in that series. It was, like, the... Like what? You would have, like, you know, they would do, like, a lot of episodes where it's basically just them, like, walking around, like, a haunted or an abandoned building. And it's, like, sure. just, like eerie. But then it was, like, oh, we need to, like, advance the plot. So any time that they had two characters interacting with each other, which was rare, they would just deliver it in, like, the clunkiest way possible. Being like, I haven't seen him in, like, six years since X happened, and now, like, this girl, like, won't talk to me either. And they're just, like, exposition dumping because it's hard to, uh, like, slot it in, you know, like, casual conversations that characters would be having with a camera in their face. I didn't feel like they had that problem at all in this movie. No, in fact, not. they like kind of call in a good way. They like call it out, like via Matt's character. He's like, "This is weird that you're filming. Like, I don't want you to film this." And then like kind of just does it anyway. Yeah, I was gonna say they do a really good job. They acknowledge it, and then they kind of just have the other characters relent and be like, "Okay, Andrew's just gonna do this now, so we'll just proceed as normal." So I really loved how they handled it. Their high school reminds me of Forks. Oh, wait. You know Forks, right? Do not look you this just up. brought me back to a, a flashback. But I have to check to see if I'm remembering the no, right thing. No, you're not. But no, I don't remember it. 
Forks, Washington. Oh, from... Tw- <laughs> I thought you were talking about, like, a... I don't know why I thought it was, like, a YouTube I thing. I was like, don't yeah, look yeah. it up. Forks. I was going to tell you. Incredible. I mean... I didn't realize, though, that the movie took place in Seattle. Until the end when they're, like, on the space, on the space needle. needle. And I was like, oh, this is in oh. Seattle. Um, because it's basically the same climate as Forks. Because it's, like, raining on the first day of school. I actually don't know if they shot this in Seattle at all. I don't think they did. They probably shot it in, like, Vancouver. They did shoot it in Vancouver, but they mostly shot it in Cape Town, South Africa. That's random. For budgetary reasons. What budgetary reasons? I mean, a lot of movies would, like, go to New Zealand and stuff to, like, film because it's, like, cheaper. Yeah. I guess so. Like, labor you know, exploiting. Sure. I can't imagine they had a lot of budget for this movie. Um, I do want to spend a lot of this time talking about the character of Matt. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm down. I think he's the most interesting and the one we don't really get the fullest picture of. And yet he's the one that walks away. Right. Well, let's talk about it. What do you got? What do you want to start with? Well, the first thing, which I thought this was going to come back, and it just never does, is he's, like, got a little, like, tin in his car, and he's, like, skipping school and, like, doing drugs and stuff, I assume. Yeah, he's smoking weed. Is that it? That's 1,000% what it was. Because I was, like, it was, like, so shady, and then I was, like, is this going to come back that he's, like... I think it was just him, like, smoking in his car before school. I think that's all it was. He's kind of the delinquent student. Right, but then he's, like, not at the same time. Well, I think he's, like, he seems like... He seemed like the most realistic character. Well, he's having, like, an identity crisis. Yeah, he's, like, quoting, like, all of this, like, philosophy stuff. He's, like, pretending like he's too cool for school, but then he's, like, but that's pretentious, so I'm not going to do that. Like, he felt, like, the epitome of, like... A high school teenage angst. It was also interesting because they're the exact same age as us. Like, we graduated in 2012 and Mm -hmm. they were graduating. So that was really cool to have that point of view. Yeah, agreed. I think he he was, like, a really good, like, he was the medium, you know. Like, Steve was successful, popular, good-looking, smart. Andrew is... Andrew is... The antithesis of that. (laughs) Not necessarily, but Andrew definitely is, like, you know, the typical outcast. And Matt's just like right in the middle, like, like stoner. He's kid. fine. He's he's like popular, but like he's like not super popular. He's he's struggling with stuff, so it kind of makes sense that he would be the one to like come out on top. Because I don't blame Steve for anything that happened, especially like his own death. But I also think he was like not really understanding, you know, um, the state that Andrew was in for this entire movie. I to, yeah, a, to a point. Yes and no, because he was the one that was, like, always asking him, like, how he was doing. He, like, was asking about his dad and, like, what was going on there. Like, I felt like he was the one that was, like, trying to actually, like, help Andrew. Yeah. And that was more, like, this has always been, like, the thing with Andrew. And, like, I'm used to it, kind of. And, like... That's true. I'm going to keep him in check, like I always have done. Yeah. I just kind of thought that, like... If, if I was, like, friends with a person like Andrew and was, like, trying to get them, like, out of their shell a little bit and something like what happened to Andrew at the party happened to this person, I, you know, but, like, they're all drunk, you know, because, but Steve was, like, being, like, so, like, 
Right. Like, he oh, was like, like laughing. It's game, but yeah. it's like you have to know that like this is the worst top, thing that's top ever five happened mortifying him. things that has ever happened to this person. Yeah. But like that doesn't it's you know, you're not dealing with like <laughs> a stable person, so it's kind of like besides the point anyway, I guess. I do think it's a little bit too on the nose when they're like pointing out the camera thing. And then Steve says, um, don't you think it's weird, like, putting a barrier between you and the outside world? That was, like, one of the... I was like, oh, are you a psychiatrist now, too, Steve? I was like, where'd that come from? That did not... There's... If they wanted to say something like that, there's... I think Andrew should have said that, like, in his room. Yeah. Like, when he's, like, monologuing. Doing some, yeah, villain monologuing shit. And I, I mean, I think that, like, the idea of it is cool. And then we have that moment when they're outside of the Space Needle when he, like, takes everybody's devices mm-hmm. and, like, is, like, rotating them around him, which is kind of, like, you know, making a wall between him and, like, his audience. Um, but yeah. the line itself, right. uh, not good. <laughs> but, like, the irony with that part is, like, he's been recording people the whole time and then he's, like, upset that they're recording him. Mm-hmm. Can dish it out, but he can't take it. He really can't <laughs> at all. Um, also, one of the big takeaways that we both talked about when we were watching it, and also just like for for the entire thing, is we've watched like a lot of superhero origin movies for the pod, like a <laughs> lot. And we're like, I think it's safe to say we know the formula. We know how We're it burned goes. out. We have no like neutral perspective anymore. Right. But I also think that Chronicle presents the most realistic take yet on what would happen if a teenage boy or a group of teenage boys actually got superpowers. Yeah. Because it was a little bit like Shazam. Right. But Shazam was even a little bit more silly. Like this was very realistic. Because Shazam, like, you know, that exists in a world of superheroes. Right. So we're kind of, like, straddling the line between, like, uh, one of the universe worlds and then also, like, Kick-Ass, where there are no powers, but there's, like, these goofy costumed individuals. But, um, you know, the idea that, like, yeah, if I'm, like, an 18-year-old and I get these powers, there's not going to be, like, an immediate sense of heroism that is, you know, that right. I'm, like, like we're going to do good things to, like, with this. Right, like... The first things that we see them doing are, are like just like fucking around in the backyard, throwing a baseball, and then like filming prank videos. Like, and of course that's what they're gonna do. That's well, they're what, that's filming. That's what anybody would yeah. do. Like, even if they weren't like the whole camera thing, it's like you're not. Your first instinct is not going to be I'm going to go out in public and use this. Right. Except for maybe like I'm gonna try and get some money or something. Right. Yeah, I think you know I wouldn't you know go to an ATM and try to like, but. Otherwise, you're going to do exactly what they're doing. And I also thought that that realism extends to how we see Andrew descend into villainy because they could have... I watched someone on YouTube watch this movie and he was like... When did you do that? Yesterday, <laughs> during during work. I like to watch reaction videos to movies. and um, That's very meta. It, yeah, Him very, recording himself watching extremely. them record himself. And uh, this guy interpreted Andrew as, like, being, like, corrupted by the powers because, you know, there's, like, this alien artifact that very Stranger Things that we hear nothing about again, which is fine. But um, I, like, I didn't interpret it that way. I I thought it was just, like, a really well-done way of showing that, like, 
Andrew is already at this point where his life is like crushing him. Like he has so much trauma and nothing to help. And then the powers come along and, you know, they kind of distract him for a little bit, but it's like, he's given this power. That's just like further. It's just crushing him more. It's just like another weight of responsibility. And when it becomes, you know, more than just like a fun thing that him, Matt and Steve are messing around with, it's just like another, it's the like straw that breaks the camel's back. As soon as he like fucks up with it, it's like, okay, it's just something else in my life that has gone wrong. Yeah. I think it's more though that the, the power that the powers give him is what corrupts him. Yeah. Finally having to, or being able to exert power over the people in his life is really what is um, corrupting him. Like the old saying, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And it's so, I mean, <laughs> what? Put it on a sticker. And uh, I, I just thought that in in some ways, the movie ac- approached the same topics that Joker did, but in a different light. It's like, what happens when you have a person, either Andrew or Arthur, that's like so like beaten down and ignored, whether that's, whether they are actually being ignored or they're just interpreting right. everyone is ignoring them. Uh, is suddenly given like a sense of purpose and power and how they choose to use that, whether it's like revenge or domination. And it's just, it's so interesting seeing that like Andrew goes on this character journey and he goes on it with Steve and Matt. And we see this like objectively as like a good thing, like because we don't have all the baggage that Andrew does, but Andrew, you know, ends up pushing them away anyway, because that's what he knows. And then that's what compels him to like use his powers truly to do some fucked up stuff. Yeah. I think that like Steve doesn't have an arc in the movie, which is why he dies because he has nowhere to go. Yeah. He's like kind of already an evolved character. Um, And then Matt is like slowly evolving through the movie at a much slower pace than Andrew, who is evolving but in the opposite way like through the powers um and i think one scene that like really does a really good job of like um distilling all of the characters is the car scene where andrew like flicks the car off the road and Mm -hmm. then like steve immediately jumps in to save the guy matt is like calling the police and like he, he's like freaking out like it's not a big deal and I think that I get why at first I was like what is happening like what is this scene like what's happening with this scene and it's just kind of a blip in terms of their story but like it shows their ethics and morals like so so well before like things really hit the fan yeah I think you're totally right that it's a distillation of it because that tells you like the ending of the movie yeah right there like Steve, that's where you know it's going. Steve goes for the gusto every time, and that's kind of what ends up getting him killed. Because maybe if you know, maybe Andrew did just need a couple of days off, but maybe maybe not. It doesn't matter. But you know, he, he went for it, and then Andrew also goes for it, <laughs> uh, even when you know he knows that maybe he shouldn't. And Matt's just uh, Matt's in the middle, and he's safest for it. The flying is super cool. Oh yeah. I, I love the flying. It makes me, like, I want to fly. It's one of my favorite. I think it's my favorite scene is when they learn to fly. Yeah. It's just, it's so fun. 
It's so fun. Jet comes through. The jet was scary. But it was also just, yeah, great. Their their power set is like, it's so simple, but it's so flexible. It's like, of course, these are like the perfect powers to have. And just like, you know, I'm just imagining like flying around and then just like lazily like dragging stuff over to the couch because I don't want to get up. It's the best of both worlds. I can do anything. Um, we already kind of touched on this a little bit, but really incredible acting from all three of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm trying to think of like each the showcase that I would pick for all of them. I think Dane DeHaan did a really good job when he had to like sit and look into the camera and just like talk about like being an apex predator. I think oh, that could yeah. have been like really cheesy, but that's where he thrives. <laughs> he's but he's just he's very convincing, and he's not only convincing as like delivering them like from the script, but also like Andrew is the kind of person that would say something like that and take himself completely serious yeah. while doing it. And it's like, he could only sit there by himself and say that because if anybody else heard him do that, they would be like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Like he sounded like a psychopath, which he kind of is. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of didn't necessarily see exactly how the movie was going to end. Like, I knew it wasn't going to be good for Andrew, but I even had in my notes, like, after Steve is killed, like, how does a movie like this end, like, can't be good for Andrew? <laughs> like, I just didn't know where they were going because, like, he doesn't necessarily, like, have a vendetta against anyone throughout the movie. So I was like, I don't... Maybe at yeah, going to back to the school, but like, I didn't really see that happening. I kind of figured he might kill his dad. Yeah, I thought that he was going to kill his dad for sure. For absolutely. Like, how could how could he not make that priority number one? And as far as the school stuff goes, yeah, he ripped that guy's teeth out. Like that was that was that was enough. gnarly. That was gnarly. I didn't even know what happened. I thought he, he like ripped his tongue out or something. Yeah, but just like just a couple teeth, which is you know horrifying. Um, but th- that's where the movie starts to become like more of a horror movie at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was spooked. It never leans like 100% into no, it. No, no. But it does lean. It's like it gets a little eerie and like, well, tense, I guess mm-hmm. is really the word for it. It gets very tense. I think my assumption when everything started going sideways was it would end either with all of them getting killed just yeah. because or uh, Andrew getting away with it because that would be like, you know, the most ominous possible thing is he, he kills Matt and yeah. his dad and then somehow escapes and is like just this Out presence there. now. Yeah. I did not think Matt would be the one to survive, but I really liked the choice. I loved the ending of the movie. Actually. I thought it was so perfect. Yeah. I thought they, they really nailed it, which yeah, I wasn't really expecting that, <laughs> but they did. They did a really good job. Um, Because at some point in the movie, I was like, did they do that thing where they said they were going to, like, fly to different places, like, on their, like, day off or whatever? mm -hmm. And I was like, I guess they didn't. And then I didn't really think about it until the end. Yeah, me too. And I was really happy that they didn't do some sort of, like, shock ending. Because we we have this ending shot where Matt, like, sets up the camera. He's, like, standing on the mountain doing his echo. And I was like... There's so much time here for something to like happen. <laughs> have some corny like Andrew's back and he's yeah. like chasing him down. And I was like, thank fuck they didn't do no, that. No, it was such a beautiful ending. They this movie kept things simple. Yeah. You're you're 100% right. They 
they could have overcomplicated things and at any any time that they would have chosen to do that, it would have made the movie actively worse. Um, okay, I know we kind of skipped over the the big fight at the end. Yeah, I I loved that whole sequence. Because it really, like... We kick it off with, you know, he... We have, like, this kind of brief commentary on the American medical system, which, unfortunately, is evergreen. You know, having to pay, like, a... Seven hundred dollar right. copay for his mom's um, pain medication, and then you know that's like I had it in my notes that that like was the the thinnest but most tangible thing that Andrew needed to like go do something with his yeah. powers. So he was like, "Okay, I see an opportunity now." And those seeds were planted really well throughout the movie about like his mom's impending health crisis. Yeah, and it's just like. That's, like, another parallel story that it's telling is just, like, that the desperation of someone in that scenario, even if it, you know, in real life, if it's not powers, it's something else. Like, that's what drives people to do shit like that. Um, but kicking things off with that, and it obviously goes very wrong at the gas station, like, you know, that's, like, the second place that he robs. Uh, just, like, I can't... I, for a minute, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. But I was like, is Andrew dead? Because that gas station just exploded and he's yeah. right there. Well, I thought he was going to kind of be like unscathed almost. Like I didn't expect him to go to the hospital. I didn't expect him to go to the hospital for sure. That was surprising. Um, I like the, I forgot to mention this earlier, was relevant here too. I like that they're all connected by the power or mm-hmm. whatever. The nosebleeds. Yeah, and that they can kind of feel each other when they're out of control. I like that a lot. I thought that was an interesting... Yeah, that was really cool. ...addition. Another very Stranger Things. Yeah. Those bleeds. Oh, but yeah. That can't be... This must be like a, a telekinesis like trope. It must be, yeah. Because I know that the writer of this movie said that he took a lot of inspiration... Or several writers, I guess. One of them was Max Landis, who is, you know, a persona non grata nowadays. He's a real, he's a real piece of work. Um, and apparently, like, Josh Trank, who directed this movie, like, banned him from the set. He wrote it? Uh, I think Josh Trank and Matt Land- Max Landis co-wrote it. Because this is a graphic novel, right? No. This is original. This isn't an adaptation. Why did we watch this movie? Because it's a superhero movie. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, what? I thought it was adapted from, like, a comic. I was like, well, why else would we be watching it? And I forgot that they have powers. Because it, it's so normal. In the, it's not, well, not normal, but it's, like, it doesn't feel like they have power, like, yeah. superpowers. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not using them in that way. Sure. Sorry. That's just, that really threw me for a loop for a second. I was like, wait, did we do something wrong? It's <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, inspiration was taken from... Uh, Carrie. Oh, but the guy who wrote it, he was not allowed on the set. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's like... An apex predator. Sexual assault, all sorts. Of, and he's, he's, a, he's the son of John Landis, who is like a significant like writer-director. Anyway, um, where was I going with this? I don't even remember where I was... Sorry, I derailed you. thought that I was on. I was going to talk about Carrie, because he took inspiration from Carrie. The nosebleeds. Oh, yeah. And I'm guessing that must have been like an old school thing for like, yeah, you use your powers. It taxes you, but also like the whole 
the ending of this is so clearly inspired by Carrie. Like, there's even a gas station that explodes. That happens in Carrie, too. I've never seen Carrie. And it's just, like, yeah, a bullied student that gets, like... Pig's you know, blood on her. Yeah, yeah. A lot of pig's blood, too. I saw a clip from, like, the... They did, like, a TV movie remake of it or something. And this person posted it on Twitter, and they were like, yeah, it's like a bucket of pig's blood, like, in the, in the book in the original movie. But in this remake, they just had it, like... It was like a constant torrential downpour. I was like, okay, how much how much blood did they harvest, you know? I think my favorite part about the end fight is how they're covering it. You were starting to mention this earlier with all the different, like, security camera footage and the hospital footage, like, all these different, like, and, like, people filming on their phones. It's on the news. And I think that that's the best showcase of, like, how a, like, you know, normal person, like civilian is observing a superpower event. Mm -hmm. Like they try to do it in like Hawkeye or in these other like Marvel related things where they show like, oh, this is what it was like to like see that happen. But like this was like exactly how you would see it. And it was like so point on the nose, but like in a good way. Yeah. I especially like the fight scene at the end. Uh, I've never seen Cloverfield, but uh, that is also like another like, heavy I hitter in that. found footage. You, yeah, probably or one part of, the, of it. One of the horror movies that you've weirdly seen. Um, the shot specifically that reminded me of it was when like everyone when Matt like arrives in downtown Seattle and they're like looking up at the hospital and like yeah. the smoke is pluming out of it and then you see like Andrew and his dad like floating out of it. I just thought that was like really cool. And it, it gives you, like, the scale. And anytime that we see them, like, flying or, like, hovering from a distance, and it just looks so weird. Yeah. And they, obviously, they have, like, the helicopter pilots being, like, we don't know what this is. And, like, we have all that stuff, too. But it's just, like, the sheer visuals of it are just, like, very bizarre. And yeah. I, I thought they did a great job of that. Um, I think my most important note, which is also my last note, is... I was starting to think that's towards the end. Like, do you think Dave DeHaan kind of looks like Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah, I see that a little bit. Like, young Leo. Yes. Obviously. Because there's this, like, he's, like, crying or, like, upset. And there's, it reminds me of, I think it's in, like, What's Eating Gilbert Great, where, like, Leo's, like, sobbing and, like, running around. And, like, he looked just like him. I see it. Which is like really weird because like on you know side by side they, they, like they don't but there there were definitely moments like when they're both upset they look alike yeah <laughs> or when Leo's upset he looks like Dayton Dayton might just always look like that <laughs> also <laughs> I had, guy. I had a, a piece of trivia on Dayton that I found when I was when we were watching it which I was like his birthday is not public information <laughs> yeah. it's like he was either born and like. I forget what it, what it said it was. 87 or 88 yeah. eight or something like that. He's almost 40 years old. Now, I mean, he didn't even look like it in Oppenheimer. So, good for him. Who is he in Oppenheimer again? I can't tell you the character's name. Which... He, he worked for the government. He's like one of the military guys. Oh, okay. He was in it. He had a couple scenes. We I didn't think. like him. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think he was He was like nice. with, uh, what's his name? Casey Affleck. Yeah. Yeah. Except Casey was way scarier. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I think we've covered all the big notes. I was just trying to see if I had anything else um, worth talking about. I mean, Doug from 
House of Cards. I will. He shows up in so many things, and I only refer to him as Doug. As Doug. Well, yeah. Didn't even um, finish House of Cards, although I think he died by the time we watched. Stop watching it. Probably. I think so. Uh, top 10 worst dads of all time. He really, like, pissed me off. In the because, hospital like, scene? It's like, I, just all the time. Uh, well, yeah, he's horrible. It's just like. He's you, awful. He, we get, like, the bit of, like, backstory. You know, he used to be a firefighter. Was probably, like, an okay guy before yeah. and now is just, like, coping in the worst possible his way. His own power over somebody. Right. Speaking of power corrupting. But it's just, like, you piece of shit. And especially at the hospital. The only... I mean, no, I didn't... I At no point did I like him. But my favorite scene that involved him was when Andrew was, like, leaving the house. And he's like, how are you getting to school? And it's like, oh, he's, like, kind of paying attention. Yeah. But, like... But know, only to, like... Get him. Or he's on like something. fucking with him, and he's like, "I'm on to your shit." Yeah. I just, I didn't like what the character was doing, but I liked how he was like portraying him in that moment. I thought it was, it added like a bit of a layer. It's just like, no, he's not just like he is hammered all the time, but he's not like totally out of it. Like, right? Yeah, he he's got something on. He's you. still he trying to find ways it. to like right, but then have the, a reason to beat you up later. Yeah, but then the audacity to be like, "You got your mom killed," and I was like, "You." You weren't going to be able to do anything. You were going to be watching TV with a beer, you bitch. I also did not think that the spear through the chest was actually going to kill Yeah, Andrew. I thought he was definitely going to be, like, still alive. But yeah. again, they just went with the simple... Yeah. You don't have to do that. Great you don't move have too, to, like, switch it up, you know? Yeah. What a, what a crazy death, Could have too. really backfired on Matt. Oh, yeah. That's what I was worried about. I was like, this this is either going to work or Matt is now dead. Also, what's her name we method. thought was for sure dead, but she seemed fine. She recuperated, you know, but she's probably not going to uh, want to hang out with Matt. Well, he might be on the run. <laughs> probably. I was happy that Matt escaped. That was that was pretty slick of him, too. Yeah. And he didn't get killed by getting hit by the bus midair, which I was worried about. <laughs> I was like, did they just drop a piano on him, basically? <laughs> it was a little slapstick. <laughs> Um, but yeah, then when they end into bed, I was just like, it was really beautiful. And like his like kind of message to Andrew was like really sweet and kind of just like, I think really apt for like how other movies have tried to like dive into that. Like going back to like the school shooter trope, it's like, well, this was a person that was like clearly probably a victim of their circumstances and like behaved in a way that was abhorrent, but I thought that, like, his message to him was, like, really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was just, like, yeah, it was, a, it was a good story. And, like, he clearly has, like, guilt over his own, like, part in it. Yeah, like, of course, you know, he's probably looking back and being, like, I, we could have handled this a lot better than we did, but, you know. You're they're 17. All, they're all high schoolers. Yeah, yeah what are you going to do about it? Um. Yeah, and I also, because I mentioned, like, the alien artifact, I didn't take, like, any notes on it. Nope. But I, I thought that was really interesting, too. I mean, we don't know if it was alien. I'm assuming it was, but I guess it could have been, like, some sort of government project. But I just thought that, like, they if they had wanted to, and they had wanted to take in it, that wasn't a correct sentence, if they had wanted to take it in a more, like, Stranger Things direction, that's, like, the hook. You know, because they go back to try to see it again and you know it's been shut down by the government and they're like you got to get out of here and it's just like we have this whole other story 
right. that's happening that... But because it wasn't on the, camera. Well, it's not on camera, and they're just, like, not concerned about it. Like, it's not... At no point do we see them having a conversation about, like, where do you think this came from? Like, Well, we don't know what happening? conversation happened after. Well, that's so true. much of the coverage was just, like, what's happening in the moment. Right. Well, I guess the movie just chooses not to even have them yeah. address it, which I find really interesting. Again, went simple. Yeah. Like, because, we don't yeah, need we don't, to show We don't that. need a... That's that's uh, that's the movie like it splits into being like a really generic superhero origin movie. And then this is when that happens. You have one route where the government is like trying to find right. them and they have to like fight them and off. do tests on you. Right. And all that stuff. And that takes us down like a very Which, predictable route. That is probably what would happen. But like they just didn't do that in right. this movie. And they're not going to do another movie. That's the other thing. It's like this was a one off and. It wouldn't have worked doing, like, a part two with, like, Matt or whatever. I think they had considered a sequel, but it wasn't going to didn't. be the same characters. It was going to be, like, like college girls or something. Because even if you had done, like, another found footage, like, it would have been trite doing it a second time. Like, this was this worked because it was, like, nuanced enough and, like, different enough from what had been going on. This was built to be a one-off, and... It should stay that way. And it's not like it's going to get like a remake either. So, <laughs> But it's a really good watch, y'all. And it's only an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. If you got a free free 80, just uh, throw it on. It's on Hulu. Check it out. It does have ads on Hulu. which you know, It's okay. Grumble, grumble. But yeah, really enjoy this one. And uh, a, definitely a dark horse of the podcast. Did not expect to uh, enjoy this one so much. It's just like not one that you hear very much about anymore, and I just assumed that it had been lost to the annals of history because it wasn't really noteworthy. But I think it's just like slipped between the cracks because it's it's an odd movie. We had a nice, we're having a nice little run with, you know, Lego Batman was like a fun time. We've got this next week. We're talking about Agent Carter, which we really enjoyed. So um, the week after that, let's hope it. Uh, Keeps that up. Yeah. I mean, genuinely. We'll see. Because, uh, yeah, you guys will find out what we're talking about. <laughs> Intrigue. <laughs> well, until then, we, we are, are out, out of, of the, the superverse. superverse.